Okay, welcome along. This is Change FM with me, Gary Gooden. Glad you could join us again for this particular edition. We've got loads of stuff for you, including a visit to the Science Gallery in London Bridge, an exhibition called Spare Parts, a lovely lady called Judy. And a bit later in the programme, we're going to hear from Ducky. I've been working with Ducky Arts for over two years now, who produce Change FM. And it's not just about Change FM with Ducky. I'm going to meet Dickie, who tells us more about what Ducky do. And I interviewed him at the Royal Up Vauxhall Tavern for Resonance FM, so we're going to hear a bit more about that. Very informative interview. Please stay tuned. Okay, a change of M. Time for more poetry now. And uh, a resident of Robinson Street, where Change FM is mostly recorded. And his name's David, and he's put his poetry to music. So let's have a quick listen. I play my guitar and I walk on a parade. I go far till I lose my way. Because love is a rainbow and love is sweet. Love is slow like a rainy street. I fulfill a dream, I throw my dice. I follow no scheme and I think I'm nice. If you know what this is about, then dance like a gypsy and shout. Okay, thanks David, a lovely piece of work there. And that bird gave you a round of applause, so so will I. That's David Robertson Street, lovely piece of work there, set to music. Thanks again, David. Okay, you're a change of him, Gary Gooden here again. And we're out on the road again. We take ourselves to London Bridge in a science gallery at London Bridge and an exhibition called Spare Parts. And I'm with Judith. Uh, tell us a bit about this exhibition, please. Right, so um, Science Gallery is part of King's College London and we are a centre where science and art collide and what this means is that we do um, arts and science exhibitions in which artists and scientists collaborate in different pieces. So Square Parts is about um, how bodies and humans can regenerate both in a physical and a metaphorical way and um, it kind of highlights uh, um, new advances in science and um, biotechnology. It allows artists to have um, an impact by collaborating with scientists and how the practice will develop. I'm interested in the name Spare Parts. Is this about transplanting? Um, is it, it's about growing organs and, and spare parts for bodies? I mean, it sounds a bit morbid, but, but would you talk us through a bit about the process? I mean, is it real that we can actually manufacture body parts? No, it's not true. Actually, that is one of the um, biggest misconceptions um, that we've very that we have been very aware of during this exhibition. Um, so we've been working with a lot of people working on stem cell research. Um, stem cells are the cells in your body that um, theoretically could, at some point, grow organs. Um, but up until now, it is not possible to grow kind of like petri dish organs. Um, some of the scientists that we work with are working on skin grafting, which means that they're growing certain parts of your skin, but they can't grow full organs at the moment. So um, all those years ago, um, um, something about an, a human ear being grown onto a mouse's back or something, was, was that anything like what, what goes on in, in modern day now? 
So there are some experiments, um, especially using mouse cells, because they're um, easier to work with and um, they're more um, resistant to kind of like environmental conditions. Um, in that case, it did grow the cartilage and the structure um, and the skin of a human ear, but the ear wasn't functional. Um, and actually, one of the main problems that um, kind of creating organs in petri dishes brings about is the fact that you can't. Um, integrate vascular systems in those organs yet, which means that the, the veins and the capillaries and the blood wouldn't be able to access that ear in that case. Um, and I've, um, I've heard from some of the scientists that that mouse died quite quickly after that experiment. Um, well, because somebody spoke to it too loudly and... <laughs> <laughs> Bit of humour, <laughs> yeah. If I shoot myself in the foot again, I can get a spare foot somewhere, can't I? <laughs> we won't be able to grow you one, <laughs> not, just, not just yet. <laughs> okay. Um, well, you've been going for just over two weeks. You've been open. For, how long are you going to be open for? How long is the actual exhibition going to be on for? So the exhibition is open until the 12th of May of uh, 2019 this year. Uh, so it's about two months and a half. And I can't help wondering why you're so close to Guy's Hospital. Is there something sinister going on here? <laughs> no, not at all. It's, um, so we're you wouldn't tell me anyway, would you? <laughs> <laughs> we're part of King's College London, so um, we are within the Guy's campus because um, the Science Gallery is very much focused with um, healthcare and innovation and technology, and Guy's campus is the um, kind of like health, healthcare side of King's. Okay. Um, so the medical students come here, for example, my medical students as well. Um, and we're close to Guy's Hospital as well, which is actually a really good thing because we get to talk to a lot of scientists in Guy's. Um, so most of the scientists that have collaborated in this exhibition actually come from Guy's Hospital, and having them so close is really useful. <laughs> I mean, is there anything here that's really groundbreaking that nobody's actually seen before? Um, I think one of my favourite pieces is that one um, just behind you. Do you want to talk me through through this yeah. piece? Yep. We're just going to walk over to an exhibition piece. So talk to us about this one. Tell us about this. It's very interesting. So um, this piece was developed by Svenja um, Kratz, which is an Australian artist in collaboration with Bill Hart and um, Didmat Hochmacher. And they're um, all working at the University of uh, Tasmania. This piece in particular is um, a neural interface that um, has translated writings by Svenja Kratz into uh, new content. So the way it works is that the machine um, interprets the way that Svenja writes, so it learns her handwriting and um, it reconstructs the sentences and reuses the words that she's uh, provided the machine with to create new content. So um, I find it quite weird because it's kind of like the pet of the galleries, kind of like telling us stories every day and some of the stories are actually really kind of like deep and they have a lot of meaning and um, kind of like understanding that this is being made by a machine is quite scary because it looks really human. Is it, is, any, is it linked to artificial intelligence at all? Yeah, so um, uh, neuronal, there's a neuronal network um, which means that um, it's kind of like an artificial intelligence that is interpreting and reproducing this, this content. It just puts the words together. It's like, imagine if it was like a puzzle or a Lego um, structure that you could play with and you could take the different bricks and put them together in different shapes to create new structures. Well, maybe I'm wrong, but a bit like a phone, a mobile phone does predictive text. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's okay. a similar algorithm there. I've got one right. Can I go home now? <laughs> <laughs>
That's absolutely amazing. That's your favourite piece in yeah, the old exhibition. One of my favorites. Most most interesting. Yeah. yeah. Um, is is there anything else? Could, could we could we actually walk around a little bit and you yeah, could talk so me through a bit more of the uh, exhibition pieces? Which way should we? Um, so it starts here. Oh, okay. Um, well, this bit looks a bit like something out of the old Star Trek TV yeah. series. <laughs> I could just imagine Captain Kirk examining it and disappearing somewhere. Yeah, uh, yeah, talk, yeah. talk to us through this bit. Has it got a name at all? Yeah, it's called uh, Monument to Immortality, and it's also by Svenja Kratz and Dietmar Hutmacher. Um, so the piece talks about immortality and about um, our aspiration as humans to be mortal. And it's composed of this kind of like monument-like structure and a bioreactor inside. The bioreactor is what um, scientists use to grow cells um, and kind of like imitate or mimic the movement of our bodies so um, in that kind of capsule there would be a liquid that um, would be at the same temperature as the human body and then the bioreactor would be moving the liquid as if um, the person was walking or um, you know like going about their daily lives and then in there there's also some scaffolds um, there's some 3d printed scaffolds and they're made out of this material that is kind of like biodegradable plastic and it's used to grow cells on them so um, a lot of the uh, tissue engineering and stem cell labs that are working in kind of like regenerating tissues and um, the future of organs use this kind of scaffolds. Um, and with that, she wants to kind of provide this idea of um, the fact that we as humans really admire immortality as an idea and we want to be immortal at some point. And how, how could we get there? There are actually, in all seriousness, there are actually people working on immortality in real real time yeah. there, there are actually people yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what government funded to, to hopefully live forever yeah. in, in, <laughs> I, I just can't get my head around that concept imagine that people are actually working in this right now yeah. to get people to live forever <laughs> what about robot bodies and getting your consciousness transferred into a robot body yeah that's sorry that's never one of my star trek things <laughs> no that's a, that's a really interesting topic and definitely one that these um artists are interested in and that um the ghost writer which is the piece that we were talking about earlier um it actually kind of brings that idea about of like showing how consciousness could actually be coming out of a machine and how the machine could actually be showing human consciousness by writing kind of like new things and, and new ideas. Okay, we're going to have a part of the exhibition. Where, where are you taking us now? So uh, I was just about to show you the microbiome rebirth incubator, which is this piece around here. Um, also one of my favorites, and it talks about um, the microbiome transfer between mothers and babies in, when they're born. So um, Francois Joseph Lapointe, which is man over here. Um, he's been working um, in Canada with um, doing a lot of research around um, how different procedures like C-section um, kind of like prevent the, the transfer from the microbiome um, between the mothers and the babies. So um, what he's presenting here is this machine that is supposed to be um, like a cocktail maker for uh, mother microbi microbiome to feed babies. It's a, obviously a very um, uh, kind of like futuristic piece and he's not advocating for it but he's just kind of like suggesting the idea that this could be a, a solution for when the microbiome is not transferred to, to the mothers. Um, and as part of this piece we're also um, 
we've also built a breastfeeding area where mothers can come in and breastfeed their babies. So if you're around London Bridge and you're in need of a quiet space um, to, to feed your baby, please do come to Science Gallery and um, ask about it. I'm sure you get plenty of customers. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very good idea, actually. Do you think that... Um, because ladies who breastfeed, I mean, yeah. you know, they get alienated on places like buses and that. I mean, yeah. do you think there should be more sort of um, free-to-use areas for that ladies can go to, or mo young mothers or mothers could just go to, like drop in and oh, I need to feed my baby yeah. somewhere private. You should be free, government funded, basically, shouldn't it? Yeah, we've we've done a lot of consultations with um, breastfeeding mums to kind of find out what they think about that. And there's a lot of places actually in like supermarkets, in universities, in shops that you know you can go in, and um, it's kind of like a private area. So um, normally people just are f kind of like encouraged to breastfeed anywhere, but some people prefer a quiet place, especially for the baby, because some babies get a bit distracted and like the noise is not so good for them to kind of get focused on, on actually eating <laughs> so um so yeah we just wanted to kind of provide a place for, for for everyone to feel comfortable in and whether you want to have a quiet space or a public space um you're able to well this is amazing <laughs> stuff really brilliant so is there anything else of i mean you said at the beginning the ghostwriter was your favorite exhibition mm. piece um is there any what's your second best piece best? then um, at the moment, I think um, Aggie Haynes, um, the, anatomy the, ana the anatomy lesson, um, dissecting medical features. And uh, what she's done is she's created this um, kind of like body parts made out of resin. And um, audiences are invited to kind of like play around with them and kind of um, use the tweezers, for example, to investigate how the future of um, organ transplantation and regeneration could look like. And they're like really, really realistic um, organs, but they're made out of um, kind of like resin and silicon. Am I allowed to touch it? Um, Any of it? I think. No, I don't, I don't think I'll. No. Ooh. Oh, I don't know. Like, really like no, you can. That's not the sort of thing I'd like to play around with, as you put it earlier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're supposed to um, use these, for example. This is a um, hypothetical scenario where a tooth has been um, has grown out of um, a tumour in someone's leg. Oh. So, sorry, it's a bit, it's a bit nasty sometimes. <laughs> right, off to lunch as well. Brilliant. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you're supposed to kind of... Um, I've actually never done this before. Uh, you're supposed <laughs> to pull it out and then... Um, and you get a tooth and then you... You, you find the tooth and then you place it back into the person's mouth. Um, Fun so for all the family. <laughs> yeah, families love this one, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> Maybe not. Well, that, oh dear, um, I don't know what you're going to do with the rest of this lot. I mean, I'm seeing... Yeah. I don't know what I'm looking at. I mean, obviously, so that's somebody's yeah, brain. Yeah, brain. Um, this is uh, someone's kind of like... So this, oh, it starts with the, that, yeah, you know, that's the kind of like outside layers. and layers layered yeah. to the, the actual brain at the, in the middle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So oh. it's um, it's kind of like showing the different layers of the um, so of the, the skull. main stages of yeah. Oh, mm -hmm. I've got it. I've got it. Yeah. Oh, god. Um, I wish I didn't get it. But realistic. <laughs> it's too realistic for me. Yeah. There's also an eye over there. Oh, well, um, oh, I've got to see an eye. I've seen an ear, so I've got to see an eye. <laughs> you got to see the eye. Oh, look at oh, what is all that? Um, and this <laughs> oh dear. This is. Um, Didn't you open the butcher's in here as well? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it looks so real. It um, does. It does. 
So this is kind of like um, a trachea from a human that has been implanted with a, a nanoparticle filter. So the point of the filter is that um, it kind of clears out the air as it goes into your lungs. But um, what Agi is um, speculating about is how, um, when that filter gets dirty and needs to be changed, how we'll remove it. So um, you can actually use that um, camera to kind of like explore the inside of the trachea. Oh dear, what are you up to now? Please don't. <laughs> so, oh, so there's, a, there's a obviously, oh dear, oh yeah, so that's what, that's what actually surgeons actually see, isn't it? On a real person. Yeah, exactly. Um, you can see kind of like where the filter is and explore the trachea around, which is yeah, interesting. So could I pull this camera out and stick it down my throat? And Not ideally. <laughs> oh, okay. How about this eyeball? <laughs> Which, whose eye is that? Um, that belongs to anyone? So, no. <laughs> no, it doesn't. I mean, so, so this is your second favourite piece, would yeah. you say? Yeah, okay. just because just it's like, it's quite visual and vis visceral and like it's very aesthetic in a way that I've never seen in a gallery before. Um, it's quite groundbreaking, I think. Uh, are, all the, are all the pieces, or most of the pieces here, are they all sort of interactive for the public to uh, maybe touch or experience, you know, one-on-one, -on -one, basically? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a very, very hands-on experience. Um, we've also got loads of events and we've got loads of workshops to for people to kind of like engage with it. Um, so some of the pieces that right now are not kind of like um, it's not possible to touch them during the lates and during some workshops you can actually interact with them so um, that one over there it's um, supposed to be like brain prosthesis oh, okay. um, so you would be able to to kind of like handle them at some some parts of the exhibition okay I see. Um, yeah and then we've got other video works as well which are really really interesting um, kind of like I think this one is an hour long and this one is an hour and a half long um, they both talk about transplantation and um, they're kind of like um, uh, very personal very intimate um, kind of like um, account of how does it feel to have a new organ in your body and um, that one is about um, the artist himself he had a transplant a kidney transplant and he talks about the experience of like the body rejecting and accepting the new organ and um, this one is um, residency that the artist did in a hospital in London in which they interviewed um, different patients about their experiences with organ transplantation um, and they also recorded a sound piece um, of the kind of like blood bags and the um, so would it be realistic to say that in maybe not so near future but in the future would it be would it be feasible to say oh replacement organs won't come from another human they'll be just manufactured and to spec basically mm, it depends it depends what you ask um i think in the future in many years yes um so we, we were talking to a scientist from King's um, some weeks ago and he said at least minimum will be 50 years until we actually have like functional organs that we can... Oh, I can't wait that long. Um, can, I, can, yeah. I get, can I get my next week? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <coughs> <coughs> <It'd be laughs> I smoke 10 a day. So. <laughs> so we're moving around the exhibition now and I see somebody's guts hanging out. <laughs> so maybe you'd like to talk to me about this one. Is, it, yeah. is this a hands-on one that people put all the body parts back... Yeah. Organs and that in. Yeah, yeah, oh, good. Yeah. I don't think I'll give it a go. It looks a bit <laughs> mad. So it's basically a 3D jigsaw of um, 
human insides, basically. <laughs> it's yeah. called the self-donor workshop. That, that's it, yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, this piece is uh, by Tina Goryank, uh, who's an artist based in London, and she's created these mini organs, which are um, supposed to be like future modifications. What's that you're holding? This is a kidney. Okay. And uh, the mini organ that she's created is this kind of like outside part of it. Normally it would look like this, so you have the original kidneys as well to compare it with. Oh, so um, what's wrong with the one on the left there? It's not, there's nothing wrong. Um, oh. In this case, what she's um, talking about is uh, creating organs that actually enhance the functions of your existing organs. Um, so in this case, this kidney could be um, kind of like enhanced um, absorption and enhanced uh, purification of your blood, for example. Um, and what they, um, what they do is that they kind of like fit into the original body parts. So she's using an um, educational tool, which is this kind of like anatomical torso, to present the idea of, of new organs that could be implanted in the body. Okay, that yeah, are, yeah, fabricated in, in a lab or um, kind of like extracted from uh, parts of parts of your body to enhance them. Um, so this is an intestinal tract, for example. Yeah. And this with the hinge. Yeah. <laughs> Let come for real. <laughs> no. <laughs> just attach a new Just part. need a new bit. <laughs> just put the hinge up there and yeah, away. Yeah. And yeah. so this this exhibition's until May. Yeah. Um, is it is it free to get into? Yeah, absolutely free, and uh, all of our events are free as well. Um, all of our events are free, later free. Um, we have really cool um, kind of like late events on the third Friday of every month. Yeah, I was going to say if you so it's free to get into. Do you want to just take us through some of the times that you're open? So we're based in Guy's Campus next to London Bridge Station, and we're open from ten to six, from Tuesdays till Sundays. Tuesday to Sunday, so not closed Monday. Closed Monday. And you'd mentioned something about late late uh, opening. Yeah, so uh, we're open we're open late on the um, third Friday of every month, and uh, late opening. It doesn't just mean that the exhibition is opening until late. It also means that we have um, lots of events, workshops. We have a bar. We have um, music. We have different performances and talks happening around the building. Um, and they're just great and really worth checking if you're interested in the exhibition because they're you, really... You, you have performers coming, well, like musical performers? Yeah, we have um, all kinds of performers. Sometimes we have uh, theatre performers, we have uh, dancers, we have um, musicians. So, for example, our next slate is on the 15th of March and um, <laughs> you should definitely come around. <laughs> we have um, an opera singer who will be performing uh, a new show um, that she's worked with an artist about how um, kind of like a sound is um, perceived in different ways depending on your surroundings and how she uses she's a blind opera singer and she uses her voice to kind of like orientate herself and understand spaces around her um, so when you were asking earlier about um, spare parts and whether that's just about um, kind of like new parts of the body we're also talking about um, parts of the body that are hidden in a way, so um, parts of the body like your voice or like your microbiome, like your bacteria, they're also part of your body but you're not so aware of them normally and um, we, we want to kind of like highlight all of those different aspects of what being human is basically. Yeah. So I've come here on the wrong day, <laughs> so, so the 15th I should be here. If I, if I can get any sleep I don't know because I, I think I'm going to have nightmares tonight. <laughs> anyway, thanks very much for um, Showing all this amazing 
really, really interesting stuff. Just absolutely brilliant. Uh, to our listeners, if you want to come along and see it, like I said, London Bridge Station. And uh, open 10 till 6, Tuesday to Sunday. And uh, Judith, thank you very much for taking your time out to talk to us at Change FM. Okay, I promised you some music earlier and we come to the part of the programme with a bit of musical entertainment from Ahmed. Okay, Ahmed from Robinson Street Hostel, thanks very much for sharing us with us at Change FM and another lovely piece. You're listening to Change FM. I've worked with Ducky Arts for two years now and together we have created Change FM. And basically, we interview different walks of life, the homeless, people who work with the homeless, we started with that, and street performers, all walks of life, ordinary people with talent, who we feel needed a bit of exposure. And, uh, well, with Ducky Arts, I didn't really know much about Ducky until uh, I started working with them back in 2016. And uh, so I was curious to know more about Ducky. And so I've come to the Royal Vauxhall Tavern to have a word with Dickie, who's worked with Ducky for many years, and here's an insight into what Ducky's all about. I'm Amy Bonet, I'm your hostess for this evening. And I'm here for the London Reader's Wives on the decks. For those of you that don't know Ducky, we're straight out of Vauxhall, first of all. And we are homosexualist purveyors of progressive working class entertainment. I'm here with Ducky from uh, Ducky. What is Ducky all about exactly? Ducky started because Simon and Amy, who were the two people that started it out in November 1995, wanted to have a club night that played the music that they wanted to listen to and had performance and wasn't the typical gay night that was going on in London at the time with 
boys with the tops off and <laughs> lots of drugs. Actually, it was about listening to rock and roll music and indie music and seeing performance on stage. And there was nothing like that going at the time, really. Should I tell you a story about why it's called Ducky? I always wondered that, but... Um, Go on, ask me the question then. Why is it called Ducky? <laughs> it's funny she'd ask me that. It's called Ducky because when it started 23 years ago, Simon was trying to work out what to call it, the club. And one day, this old gay guy called him up. And in the old days, uh, kind of like, what's that old uh, language they call, Tim? That they, Polari. Polari, Ducky, they used to say Ducky in, in Polari. Now, I can't remember what Ducky stands for in Polari. <laughs> Maybe I'll look before we, find, before we finish. We'll, anyway, we'll, we'll so this, this old guy was talking to Simon and he was like going, oh yes, Ducky, and no Ducky, and hi Ducky, and stuff. And Simon just thought, that's what we're going to call the club, Ducky. And it stuck from there? Stuck ever since. Wow, that's brilliant. To be honest, the first bits of talent, or the first people and, and the talent that we got for Ducky, were people that Simon and Amy had met around, around club scene and just being introduced to them. Like okay. one of the first ones was Ursula Martinez. Um, and um, it was kind of like Simon just said, yeah, do you come down and do a gig for us and there's 30 quid in cash and you perform on the stage. And I think to, to, for, for new performers and new people who would try new acts out at the stage, it was quite enlightening to so go. It's, just, it's really just showcasing new, new, new sort of talent and yeah, uh, definitely. singers and cabaret acts. And it was more live art, performance art than cabaret and singers, although that encom encompasses it anyway. But, but all, it all, all basically, all kind of, as just as entertaining, yeah, basically. Kind of an, an, an and so entertainment Ducky's we wanted to see. Ducky's still going for 25 years later from strength to strength. So same, the same six people who started it, so Simon well, and Amy running it, yeah. starting the whole thing. The readers' wives, Mark and Mark, the DJs, and Jay Cloth and Father Cloth on the door, taking the money and being the face of Ducky when people walk through the door for the first time. I've, I've got to rewind you on Reader's Wives. Yes. <laughs> Explanation, please. So Reader's Wives were born from the fact, I don't know, you might be too young, but in the old porn magazines, that male, male porn magazines, um, there was always a section with Reader's Wives in there. Like, you know, they would have their clit off. And so... <laughs> They, they started to be I called... I might be too young. I bought my fair share of resonance. Well, I'm sure you did. But I don't want to say, I don't know how old anybody is. So I'm, just, I'm, I'm, catch, I'm doing a catch-all situation. But at first they were called the London Reader's Wives because it was always like the Reader's Wives from Margate or the Reader's Wives from Bolton or something like that. So they were London Reader's Wives. And then these days they're just called the Reader's Wives. Well, I just thanked God my mum never looked under my mattress back in the middle of the season. <laughs> <laughs> I had escort, razzle. You had them all, didn't you? Uh, penthouse to look. I had, uh, Mayfair. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mayfair. So the Duffies basically showcase, um, but you, you do a lot more, obviously. Yeah, I um, kind of like, you know, starting 23 years ago when we're all, so we're all in our 40s and 50s now, um, and over the years we kind of, Duffies branched out and started doing performance, not just in the, so where we are, you know, where we're sat today, this is, Duffies been here for 23 years. Well, we're actually years. in the Royal Vauxhall yeah, Tavern. in the Royal yeah, Vauxhall Tavern. And, and, but then apart from that, we used to do other shows on the streets and then, and then we used to do shows in non... We, tend to, we tended to use non-theatre venues over the years 
just okay. because we want it to be uh, for the ordinary person as yeah, opposed I'll, to I was going to get it um, like I've, I've obviously I've, I've mentioned cabaret and, um, and stuff like that but I mean have there been like um, plays no, poems We've had poets, we've had rap artists, we've had, we've had a whole gamba of different kind of performances. Not plays, we've had lots of dance, lots of performance art, lots of bits of comedy. Um, that's, that's what I wanted to hear about, comedy. Yeah. Have you had any really top class, world class comedians? We used to have, in the old days we used to have John Cooper Clark. John Cooper Clark, my goodness. Yeah. I always thought he was more of a poet than a I comedian. think he is. He's um, comic poet. Comic poet, I yeah. think. Is it more of a pub scene, would you say? The media, TV, and yes, it's, it's, it's more pub, it's, isn't it? It's, it's, it's genuine. It's, it's, it's what it is. It's kind of like you know, it just we comes dream from up, the heart, we dream up, we dream up everything we do. Sat around a kitchen table, doing stuff that we want to do for the people that we know will enjoy it. So what happens on a Saturday night is, so the doors open at nine o'clock at the RVT. At the RVT, and they play music until eleven o'clock, okay. and then at eleven o'clock we have our first act. Oh, brilliant. And the acts is, all the acts are always introduced by our hostess, which is Amy LeMay. And, and over the years, the audience have been like, taught that actually when there's something going on on stage, you focus on the stage and you watch it. Yeah. And if you want to chat, go outside. And we don't mind if people don't like the acts. They can go outside and chat. But the okay. focus is on the stage. So that act lasts about 10 minutes, never longer than 10 minutes. So there's basically no heckling whatsoever. There is a bit of heckling and a bit like of cheering, but but kind of like, but they kind of like support the acts. Is, I suppose is, is the yeah, right way to I, call it. I would it. imagine so. I mean, yeah. they're, they're, um, if they're going to come to the RVT, they're going to know what they're going to come in for. <laughs> this is where it all begins. This is where it all happens, doesn't it? Here we go. The this world is the famous, performance area. The world famous stage of the RVT. Say some of your acts. Yeah. Say um, they need a bit of Dutch courage to perform. Yeah. It's a bit of a drop, isn't it, for somebody who's perhaps a bit tipsy. Has anybody ever fallen off stage? I'm sure somebody's fallen off this stage oh. on many occasions. <laughs> I wouldn't, I don't know anybody, but I know that people How do I become a member of this place? I want to see somebody fall off, off stage. You don't want to see, actually, it's hardly ever happened. But it I mean, tends to be obviously people they're in high heels and that, you know, some of the uh, cabaret acts might be in high heels and that and maybe had a bit too many... Sherbet. We might have done. <laughs> I, I can't remember actually anybody falling off the stage as a performer. I've seen you know, public members of the public I would falling imagine, off. I'd imagine it'd be quite a soft fall. It, it would be if, a soft fall on a Saturday night. Yeah, because there'd be loads there. of people right there. Yeah, it'd be on like one. one of those um, rock concerts where they just and they just carry them to the back. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Crowd surfing. Now you know, I mean, well. Thanks for the insight into this, the RVT, but there's more to Ducky, isn't there? Yeah, so... Um, I was involved in something at Christmas time. Oh, what was that? Tell Honky me. Tonk Night. Oh, you came to Honky Tonk, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, with the uh, uh, North London um, Action, for, Action homeless. for Homeless. What did you think of it? Absolutely knackering. <laughs> <laughs> Why was no, it knackering? Um, I, I really don't know. It's basically sitting around on my arse all night <laughs> interviewing people uh, for the uh, North London um, Action for Homeless. It was a brilliant night, absolutely brilliant. And I actually attended a honky-tonk night, did some interviews for, on behalf of the uh, North London Action for the Homeless, 
And uh, I've got to say, I had a thoroughly nice evening. The people were brilliant and the cabaret was absolutely outstanding. And I'd just like you to um, sample some of the interviews and the people I met on the night. Okay, we're at the North London Action for the Homeless at St Paul's in Hackney, and I'd like to introduce Justice. What's tell us a bit about it? North London Action for the Homeless do a really important job, and we're thrilled that tonight we can all celebrate both what they do and who they are. It's, it's brilliant. Um, it's uh, I, I mean. The volunteers here are incredible, their clients are really important to us. The people who, who do all the heavy lifting are um, an organisation called Ducky, based from the Royal Vauxhall Tavern, and, and they do a lot of work here, and we are, again, delighted to work with them. They, they uh, do all our entertainment, all our parties. Now, this is really a thank you to all the volunteers who work here, and also to wish all our clients a happy Christmas. Does everybody have something to eat? Yeah, come on, I know you all have. We're Terry now. How are you enjoying the evening, Terry? Well, I enjoy it and I'm very, very satisfied because they took the time and trouble to please us uh, when no one bothered to do it. I highly appreciate the night. Okay, we're backstage now and I'd like to introduce Lenny and Ray. Just one of the most brilliant performances we've seen so far, and uh, that was just brilliant. How did you two come to meet each other? Uh, we met in London at a party uh, five years ago, and uh, got together and lived together, and then started making work together. And about a year or so ago, we started putting this sort okay. of performance together. And like you, these specialise in cause the dances we saw were from uh, famous films like Pulp Fiction and uh, well, obviously the infamous Dirty Dancing routine. Um, what made you? I'll ask Ray because I want to know how did you do that lift out of Dirty <laughs> Dancing? And how long was you in the hospital? <laughs> <laughs> well, it took quite it took quite some practice, but I think I've always wanted to learn that routine. And when we started making work together, we liked to sort of switch the genders and just change the idea of what our favorite things are. So we switched the gender and we thought we wouldn't be able to do the lift. We thought Lenny would end up lifting me and I was that's So That was the biggest twist for me. I could have fallen over laughing because of the <laughs> twist. Not because, of, not because of your talent, but because of that twist. Because yeah. you're considerably larger than this little lady. <laughs> and so what do you think of the evening so far here at the um, <coughs> St Paul's Church in Cackney? It's great. Yeah, yeah, we were first on. The audience are up for it. Yeah. They were a great crowd. There was some mad applause. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Screaming and shouting. And it came, most of that came from me, I think. <laughs> it would have been louder if nobody else was there. <laughs> but um, yeah, well, thanks very much for talking to us. And all the best for the future. Okay, we're backstage again with Don Juan, and you call yourself a drag king. Yes, I do. I am a drag king. So basically, it's one of, I mean, I perform in um, many guises because I've been a singer for a number of years, but um, I perform in drag, as you could see. 
So um, and my name is Don Juan, and I'm originally from Birmingham, in case you can't tell by the really mild accent. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I live in London. I've been in London 10 years. And, um, yeah, I, I go around on the cabaret act. I've done the Edinburgh Fringe and all sorts, um, performing in drag. The crowd here, um, they really enjoyed it. I've never heard so much loud applause and you know and they really joined in I mean that's how does that make you feel no that's great because because actually it feels like I feel really lucky to be able to do this kind of gig um just based on the fact that you know my background's working class I grew up in Birmingham on a council estate and I know that there are homeless and people with low income here and to be able to do something to be part of a night that gives entertainment for free for people who aren't in the position to be able to go and pay a fortune in London to see acts is great. I just love it. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm Tom Warren from Birmingham, and I'll see you all soon. Thank you. So, Ducky, Ducky produced that night. Yeah. Um, you were the host with the most. You came host, on. You compared. Host with the most. And um, um, it was a really nice evening, and and um, obviously the homeless came in, had something to eat, enjoyed the evening, and it was so. Does Ducky branch out even more than just the RVT? Obviously, yeah, we do. Tell us a bit about your other ventures. Well, I think what Ducky decided quite a few years ago was that we wanted to look outside of the community that we're part of, which is the, the gay queer community. Okay, and and to look at, you know when we're going to get older or you know the fact that hanging around the RVT mm. since day one yeah. because there's hostels in Vauxhall and Batterseas that we've got alcohol, people with alcohol and addiction issues that come and try and get pints and fags off people mm -hmm. and, and, and catch money um, and so we were looking at different communities that we're part of and going well what can we do for those communities so in the, in the instance of North London Action for the Homeless <coughs> we've been doing something called the Posh Club at the church oh, hall yeah, there. Yeah. Oh yeah, tell me a bit more about the posh club. I've seen some video. So the posh club is all for uh, older people over the age of 60. Yeah. It's an afternoon performance and tea palais. Tea? Tea? Tea. tea. I've seen the amount of cakes. Cakes, sandwiches, <laughs> afternoon tea, dancing, yeah. cabaret performance. I've seen the knees. Oh, yeah. Effectively what it is, it's ducky on a Saturday night, but okay. in the afternoon for older people. Oh, lovely. Because during the winter, they don't want to go out at night when it's dark and cold yeah, and wet or snowy like it is here today. Yeah, I understand. So, so we did it during the day, <laughs> and and it's and it's, it's, it's a really raving success. Off, it? It's yeah. a raving success. What do I think about Posh Club? It's really an amazing concept. Uh, I look at it as a project. It's really uh, you can see that people are very happy. meeting other people you know especially for people who's at home on their own that come out and you know it's once you meet someone one week for the first week you see them the second week as, as if you're old friends yeah I think that's a good thing you know social life to get together since I've been coming here every Monday it's like I, I don't have Monday blues anymore and it has helped me. I've got this uh, very bad pain in my legs. But when I come here and see other people, I socialize with them. 
it's a very uh, good way for me to, you know, get some healing and, um, you know, it has helped me lift up my spirit and uh, I don't feel so ill, you know, whenever I come here. And it's good because um, all the people who need exercise and we need a reason. You get back in the house now, when I get back in the house, I am refreshed and I'm ready you know, to read my paper in the evening and relax. So it breaks up the day and it's good. From what I saw in the video, yeah, I've seen all these old dears and really enjoying themselves and yeah. sort of, not maybe dressing up, but you know, really most getting of them into do, the spirit. Most of them do dress up. We encourage, we really encourage, because it's called the Posh Club, and we encourage people to put their best posh clothes on okay. and come out. <laughs> because again, older people don't always have, you know, if they've lost a partner, or if they're a bit lonely, or they don't, their family's moved away, they don't have lots of opportunities to go out and yeah. enjoy themselves. And so actually, the Posh Club is about giving Who's them an idea, opportunity. Whose idea was that it uh, was exactly was Annie, that Simon's Annie Simon's sister Annie and Simon their mum lived in Crawley and she didn't have a lot of stuff to do there and so Annie gave did a little tea party for her and her friends one time and Simon saw it and said we could do that and we could do it on a bigger scale and that's how it all started so well, it comes from again it comes from and how often sitting around the table and seeing it going on how often does the uh, push club take place Crawley every Tuesday Hackney every Wednesday Brighton every Thursday from April, Hastings every Friday from April, wow. Elephant Castle in October, and we've done them in Peterborough and in other now. places, <laughs> loads of them, loads of them. Yeah, it's a great well, success. What a volume of, I mean, so you must have a shed load of volunteers. We have lots of volunteers, we have lots of paid staff as well, because each club has its own kind of group of people working on it. Okay. We have lots of fabulous volunteers at all the clubs that, that, that you know, that's what helps drive and make them the successor that they are. Like we had lots of volunteers at the North London Action for the Homeless Honky Tonk. Okay, yeah. Because yeah, it was like well, a small core te team of people. I feel tired just thinking about Honky Tonk nights. <laughs> <laughs> the knees up and the nosh up. The knees up in the, in the hole. So yeah, so we kind of like, you know, we have lots of volunteers who want to give something back to their communities, which is why we started some of this, these things. Apart from Honky Tonk Night and Posh Days, yep. um, there's, there's, more, there's never arm to Ducky, isn't there? Uh, well, we do lots of different performances in clubs. We do a, a young, a, a youth, uh, a queer, yeah. trans, intersex people of colour. It's giving young people an opportunity to, to express themselves in a safe environment. Through um, art or yeah. music? Through, art, well, through a mixture of art, music, voguing. Well, it's another, it's another event that happens at St Paul's Church, which is where we do North London Action for the Homeless. Because we have such a good relationship in some of these, you know, it's the same in Crawley and, and in Hastings um, and, and Brighton. We kind of like, and the RVT, kind of like, you know, because we're here today interviewing in the RVT, because mm -hmm. they're just generous and said, yes, it's fine to come and interview in here during the day. Yeah, that was really kind, yeah. And, and it's the same with, you know, in St Paul's Church, say in, in Hackney. So that's where the Posh Club is. That's where we did North London Action for the Homeless, Honky Tonk. Mm -hmm. And that's also where Ducky Cuterpock uh, Creators was, was based because it's a space that we know and the people there are very welcoming and they give us the space quite cheap. We're ambitious, you know, we want to take the Posh Club to as many different places as we can. That would be excellent. Um, but it, it's got to be, we've got to raise money for, for each place we go to. And it's about when we do some of those things, what we try and do is kind of like, is to have the Posh Club running for say 30 weeks a year so that it's, it, it becomes in, the, in a way the old fashioned working men's clubs 
or the old local clubs that people used to go to. Traditional. Uh, traditional. Yeah. And so they know they can go every week and they've got something to look forward to and then yeah, they make that, friends that's, that's there. what I meant, yeah, you know. And you so, know. so that's, that would um, be good for us to kind of like be able to put it on on a regular basis as opposed to yeah. just one-offs, which means we go in and then we do it and then we leave and then, then there's nothing going on. Yeah, you know, like, I was just thinking like a group of elderly people. Oh, we've got Push Club next week. And then the week after, oh, isn't it? And this week, there's nothing. This you week. know, it'd be nice to have a regular thing yeah. going, wouldn't it? Well, I'm so sorry you're crying. Let's sing it, ladies and gentlemen. You will always have my heart. Very nice, very nice, very nice. You were always on my mind. Tell me, I'm sorry. I'm sort of involved with Ducky Arts, which is another arm of Ducky. Yes, it certainly is. And I work with some lovely people. Um, they actually, without Ducky Arts, um, another podcast I work for, Change FM, would not exist. So and, Ducky uh, Arts came about because of the fact that they were in the RVT now, and there were people around on Saturday nights from the hostel in Vauxhall and Battersea. Okay. As, you know, as we said before, coming around we're looking for, maybe you can get a pound, a pound of somebody or five pounds or a pint or whatever. <laughs> and what we wanted to do was kind of go, well actually, let's not just keep ignoring these people, let's see whether we can contribute something in, in some small way okay, to, yeah. to help. And so, uh, so we came up with this idea of putting an arts project into uh, the hostels. Say, because I've known these guys for two years, um, just over two years. Yeah. I call Tim the tech head. Okay. And I call Mark the comedian. Yeah. And I call Robin the reliance. I like it. I didn't know you had all those special <laughs> names. Brilliant for team. Brilliant team. They put smiles on so many people's faces. Uh, they come to the Robertson Street Hostel. Yep. Uh, for Thames Reach every Thursday. Thursday and, and they're there from 10 o'clock in the morning, 10.30 in the morning till 6, 6. p.m. Yep. And they put... They're just, they're just brilliant people. And, and yeah, and they do an amazing job. I know, I was just sort of thinking about the, um, when I last was, it was only yesterday. Um, Working with them. A lady called Sharon, she was doing some artwork and she painted some pictures of birds. Okay. And she was really pleased with herself and uh, the encouragement and the energy that what I call Tim, Tim, Mark and Robin, I call them the duckies. Yep, give, <laughs> um, give to people. Yeah, brilliant people. So much encouragement, so much energy that goes into the work they do. And again, it's about Ducky wanting to give something back to the community. It's so a huge success, though, isn't it's it? It's a massive success. Personalities put them at ease. Try not to put me on my knees. Because I will shield. Armour is what I will put on. I will feel my life is gone. And you are putting upon one another why don't you find some other and look at yourself instead of putting everyone on the shelf think of yourself and the wealth you behold dig deep dig it deeper towards yourself instead of everyone else don't do one on one cause love will be gone push push shove shove one love I can see your hurt 
from memory Open your heart And release your tears I know you can't help Feeling so Sometimes my heart fills with water. Don't be afraid, cause you're not alone. We all have memories. Of my own, and don't be afraid to show how you feel. Don't hold it back, let it. Some of the events that we used to do, um, we used to do a whole series of things called Gay Shame, um, and we've done those at the what used to be called the Electric, uh, no, the Fridge in uh, in Brixton. It's now called the Electric Brixton. Is it an annual thing? Yes. Well, it's we do it on the same day that Pride is on. So this year we're doing another a smallish one here in the RVT and in the tunnel across. So we block the tunnel off and we put a big disco in there as well. Okay. So when's that in? July the 8th, I think it is this year, or 7th or 8th, I can't remember the exact date. But this year we're also doing something called Ducky Loves Fanny. Ducky Loves Fanny is, we're doing something for it's part of uh, London Borough of Culture in Walthamstow. Sorry, Walthamstow. tell me the name of that again. Ducky Loves Fanny. In the words of Oliver Hardy, I have nothing to say. <laughs> <laughs> Ducky Loves Fanny is our homage <laughs> to Fanny <laughs> Craddock. <laughs> I love Fanny Craddock. Fanny Craddock, because oh. she comes from uh, from Leytonstone, part of Epping Forest, uh, uh, Waltham Forest. <laughs> and so we're doing Ducky Loves Fanny because we've had Fanny Craddock on our flyers since day one, 23 years ago. So we're doing a big club night, <laughs> afternoon <laughs> event <laughs> thing. <laughs> I thought you liked that one. <laughs> oh, 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 good job on this in Thomas's. <laughs> Ducky loves Fanny. <laughs> Dickie from Ducky. All the best with Ducky and Ducky Arts. And uh, thanks very much for talking to us. Thank you very much. Okay, that's just about it from us here at Change FM. Hope you enjoyed the show as much as I enjoyed making it. And if you want to get involved, and I wish you would, as I say every time, please go to changefm.net. 
Thanks to Robertson Street Studios, and this has been a Ducky Up Productions for Change FM. Until next time, Change FM will return. From me, Gary Gooden, bye-bye for now.